Thank you for downloading this episode of the Football Purist Podcast. For more episodes, go to www.footballpurist.com and you can also find us at iTunes. You can see the, the pain etched on their face. There's no enjoyment from the two managers' point, but they're not enjoying this. And this is hard work for them. They're trying to get the team to defensively shape up. In five seconds and it's dangerous. Today 13 has just reached 90 minutes, but before we go into stoppage time, let's go ahead and look at the lighter side of football. And in recent interviews, Latan Ibrahimovic has compared himself to Napoleon. Actually, he dropped his biggest hint that he was very interested in coming to the MLS in the United States, stating that every country he has gone to, he has conquered, and he has won. And maybe he should do what Napoleon was not able to do, which was cross the Atlantic and conquer the USA. So, thinking about that interview, I was wondering if you guys actually could think of a historical figure and compare it to a player who's current or even present, past, it doesn't matter. Let's go ahead and start with you, Jeff. (laughs) Great. I'm the least prepared for this question, but I'll go first. All good. So why don't, since we're recently consuming the results of Man United West Ham, why don't we go ahead and compare our favorite Jose Mourinho? He's special, of course. I'll compare him to Mussolini, right? Tyrant. Got kicked off the pitch yet again by the referee, who seemed to have a short leash on our favorite special one. So I'm going to go with that. Mussolini, Mourinho. I, I like that. I like that very much. How about you, Luna? So I'm going to stick with the United theme and look at Mkhitaryan. I think he's a lot like Christopher Columbus. You know, Columbus thought he had landed in India, hence naming the natives Indians. Uh, he, when he's actually landed in America. Mkhitaryan thought he was going to the glorious Manchester United, who, you know, pending on today's results, are going to be in sixth place, uh, however many points behind the top four. And he's hardly getting any game time. So, you know, uh, a common misperception of where you're actually going is uh, what I got for you, Jimmy. (laughs) That's a good one. I like that a lot. Poor Mkhitaryan, you know, he, he could have gone to Liverpool, I'm just saying. Um, Brian, how about you? Uh, this is an easy one for me. It has to be Luis Suarez with Genghis Khan, um, the, the <laughs> Mongol empire builder who typically after uh, when he was invading uh, towns and villages uh, would slaughter all the civilians um, <laughs> if their governments resisted, which... Um, is kind of the passion that Luis Suarez goes into every match with. He doesn't care who his opponent is. He's going to absolutely want to destroy them and in you know some cases bite them. So it's got to be <laughs> Luis Suarez with with uh, Genghis Khan. <laughs> that's a, I think that's the best one right there. I love it. Painter, uh, painter, newcomer, and just taking it all the way. And just like that, we're officially in stoppage time. Welcome to Stoppage Time. I am Jimmy, your host, and I am here with three panelists from the Talk On podcast. This is all Talk On edition of Stoppage Time, so we're uh, we're gonna have a lot of fun with this. We have Stephen Luna from Talk On. Stephen, how are you doing? 
I'm good. Jimmy, how are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. We have Jeff from Cafe Football and Talk On. I like to repeat things because this is what Jeff likes to hear. Repeat. So, Jeff, how are you? <laughs> There's no ego involved in the intro. Say, hey, Jimmy, and it's Talk On. So, of course, we're going to be a bit reverbose on this one. <laughs> and we got first timer Brian Painter from Talk On. You can hear him all the time with his interviews. Those are fantastic. Brian, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Jimmy. Uh, I'm glad to be here, and uh, I'm excited to uh, to kick some ass in stoppage time. Awesome. Thank you, all you guys, for joining. This is going to be a lot of fun. Let's go ahead and go into the Weekend Roundup. It's the Weekend Roundup. And we're going to talk about our first game here, Chelsea vs. Spurs, the big derby from the weekend. Uh, let's go ahead and start off with Jeff. What, what were your first thoughts on this game? So it was probably the most entertaining match thus far this weekend, and I think that includes even... Sunday. So the weekend in total, most fun to watch Chelsea coming in, owning Stanford bridge. We haven't won since a two, one result in Feb 1990. Jeez. We're wearing like swatch watches and pegging our pants and stuff. <laughs> so undefeated in 29 cents, Chelsea continues to look the different sides since Conte switched them from three to the three, five, three, several weeks back. Spurs have the edge on possession and shots in this one slightly, but Chelsea far more critical when it mattered most and Pedro there's like two examples. The two scores in this one were the penultimate examples of what Conte has done over the last several weeks in the season. So Pedro shot masterful that curled the upper right corner indicative of the turnaround. And then Pedro, as we all know, looks totally different player, three goals, five assists through seven appearances so far, which I think he finished with seven goals through 23, 24 last year. So it's big improvement so far. And then Moses, who's probably the hottest winger in the Premier League, if not the world, Barcelona, very interested in them as the announcers acknowledged during the match, left totally unmarked off of a counter. So it's probably one of the few people that you don't want to leave unmarked off of a counter. And therein lies the result. For the Spurs, the woes continue. Luna, your thoughts, please. So, you know, Conte is completely revitalized Chelsea. Um, There was big talks of the players just not playing for Mourinho last season, but he has completely reinvigorated that team. Uh, Pedro and Moses, great examples, Jeff, but look at Hazard too. I mean, he is, he's a player that we saw when he won player of the year. So Conte, you can't argue against him. I saw a funny tweet yesterday about Pochettino being Brendan Rodgers 2.0. Oh. Now, I, 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 don't, <laughs> I don't necessarily agree with that. I think Pochettino has a bit more to him than Rodgers, but I think he's got to start showing up, and, and the team's got to start showing up against the weaker sides and in Champions League. You know, That's what we saw with Brendan Rodgers and, and Liverpool in the 13-14 season where they, they could go out and – win against the big sides but when it came to the weaker sides it 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 all fell apart uh you know i thought i thought we'd see a lot more from tottenham after last week's late heroics from harry kane and son you know the the late penalty i thought that that would fire tottenham up you know derby match against west ham uh going into another derby against chelsea i thought they'd have a little bit of fire under them they didn't um they're still a good side, but you know, finishing third last season, you'd you'd hope that they'd take that next step up and actually compete for a top four spot. And I just don't see it happening this season. 
they are definitely still a work in progress. You could see that, but they can be dangerous if they stay consistent. Uh, we'll, Absolutely. We'll, yeah, we'll see what it looks like in in a, in a season or two. Brian, your thoughts, please, on this game. It's typical uh, Conte, right? Uh, if you remember him back uh, in the World uh, or in the European Championships, uh, he played the three-five-two. Um, he's done exactly that with Chelsea. He's made David Luiz look like uh, like a reborn again uh, Benucci. Uh, that he had on uh, the Italian team, uh, minus the hair. Uh, but if you look at really what the what what it's come down to is the uh, Jeff mentioned it is the rebirth of Pedro and Moses. I mean, those two look like Roberto Carlos and Cafu of the Brazilian sides in the in the '90s. I mean, they're just absolutely playing fantastic football, and it's really allowing uh, Hazard and Costa to stay high and and really torment uh, opposing defenses. So. Uh, amen to Chelsea on their resurgence uh, under Conte. Uh, that's beginning of the season. They didn't look like they were like they were going to mount a serious uh, challenge for top four, let alone the title. But um, how quickly things have changed. If you look at Tottenham, I mean, boy, they're really struggling for goals. Uh, Kane hasn't been on form uh, since coming back from the injury. Uh, they're they're defensively, you know getting uh, cut open uh, by, by good sides. Uh, so yeah, they're, uh, they're having our struggles and I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I think this, with this loss that puts them, uh, puts them well, be, well out of uh, the top four um, with, uh, I think there are 24 points and I think top four right now is on 28 uh, is the lowest uh, total for uh, Arsenal. Uh, so they're four points adrift already. Uh, they're in deep trouble. Yeah. That's very true. Ed, lots of love for Chelsea from the talk on boys. That, that's very diplomatic of you guys. Can I add just one little piece on sure. to that segment? So Luna mentioned it. It's like they're behaving strange, like similar behavior from last year in Europa League where they rested players, rested first team players for Europa League to optimize for winning the title in the Premier League. They do that again this week in Champions League, right? So <laughs> this is the competition. And get knocked actually. out. There you go. And get knocked out. Right. And this is the competition you want to progress through. So it's almost as if they have, you know, optimized for the Premier League and just qualifying enough for Champions League to get the ad revenue, to get the extra dollars in to buy more players. So kind of disappointing if I'm a Spurs supporter. And Jimmy, one thing on liking Chelsea, um, we're giving them a lot of love. (laughs) I can't stand I can't stand those blue (laughs) those blue twats. So. Uh, one thing that I will say is they've been really lucky with injuries. Uh, they don't have a really recognized second striker. If anything happens to Costa or Hazard, they're going to be in a world of hurt, uh, and they can fall very quickly because they don't have anybody behind them that's uh, that's really quality. Yeah, that's true. We did see a small lull in between their their hot start, then they had this period where they seemed to drop off, and they just got hot again. But it, it all depends on injuries. I I definitely agree with that. Let's move on to the next game. Luna, your thoughts on West Ham Man United. Man United West Ham, sorry. Oh boy. I mean, it's it's the classic game of underachievers. You know, West Ham had such a awesome season last year. We expected big things from them this year, and they've just fallen off the wagon. I they're hanging out in the lower half of the table. United makes this grand signing in in Zlatan and Pogba. They bring in Mourinho. Everyone's saying that they're going to challenge for the title, and they're in sixth place. Mm. And so, you know, this is it was it was a game that 
wasn't very exciting. It there was it was end to end, and and both teams had chances. United making a push there towards the end, but overall, I mean, both teams are just so disappointing. It, I I know Nick and um, Jack from the, the the Get Hammered podcast. I know they're they're disappointed in the season, but just as a whole, whether you're a United uh, Manchester United or a West Ham United fan, you just you have to walk away disappointed from this game. Brian, your thoughts? I have to say that this is uh, this is unprecedented ter- territory for Man United. This is the first time uh, where Man United has failed to win in four league games at Old Trafford since 1990. Uh, that's a that's hard to believe uh, that they've fallen that this far, especially considering they went out and got a manager, a uh, new manager, arguably one of the best in the game in Mourinho. They've got went out and got one of the best strikers in the world in Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Uh, are the most expensive player in the world in uh, Paul Pogba uh, in central midfield went out and bought McTarian who can't even get on the field and they're still they're 11 points adrift of the top uh, of the top of the league and you know they don't look to be closing the gap at all they went up against a very poor West Ham side and absolutely uh, was played to a standstill at home at Old Trafford uh, it's it's not good days for Man United. Uh, there are 20 points and they're eight adrift on top four places. So uh, it's going to be a long, long season if this keeps up for United. And arguably, they haven't gotten any better under Van, uh, from upgrading from Van Gaal to Mourinho. It's the same, more the same. That's true. Jeff, your thoughts? Similar as these two. So United coming in with a similar streak versus the opposition winning 20 of 23 from West Ham. So kind of tall odds coming in. However, United have been suffering as painter. Well, point out Sacco drew the first blood once again, not from the foot, but from the head. So they've got a streak of, I don't know how many games in a row where they just cannot put it in the back of the net with the foot for football. Weird. Then Ebro with the header um, off of the beautiful ball in from Pogba. That was a nice, you know, nice ball in, nice finish, only to be overturned. So Pogba, you think he's like coming into form, betting in, getting more comfortable, looking more like, say, his performances internationally. And then not more than four or five minutes later, he whines about a dive, gets a yellow, and his manager <laughs> seemingly amplifying, you know, the, the you know, distaste gets thrown back to the stands for the second time this season. It's just kind of an embarrassment, right? If I'm a, this is at Old Trafford, this is not, mm-hmm. you know, at, at Olympic stadium or, you know, at some neutral ground, this is at home in front of your home supporters. It's a poor display. I think of how Marina is running the bus and well, run, running the railroad and parking the bus in, in his case, many times. So if I'm a supporter, I'm making some bad face and that goes from both sides. West Ham has, have their own troubles, obviously. All right, real quick, rapid fire, guys. Uh, Luna, good point four. Uh, good point four. United. Uh, sorry, West Ham. West Ham. Jeff. Easy, West Ham. It's an away Brian. match. Brian. Especially there you are. West Ham, totally. Okay. Yeah. So there's some consolation for you guys, uh, Nick and Jack from Let's Get Hammered. At least there's a point there for you guys. Let's move on to the next game. This is going to be a challenge for everyone here. And we're going to start with Brian, Liverpool-Sunderland. Where do we start, Brian? First of all, Liverpool uh, Liverpool were, were dominant all game. They, they completely dominated possession, 77% to 23%. Uh, this, is, <clears throat> this was 
this was in terms of possession, Sunderland's 22 and a half percent is the lowest uh, in the league this season, except for one other game. And that was Burnley 19.6. Both games came against Liverpool. Uh, so they deserved the, they deserved the two Oh, win. uh, Sunderland did exactly what you would expect a Moisey team to do. They set up with 10 behind the ball and, uh, put Defoe up top and had him running around trying to, uh, uh, get him on the counter and Liverpool held on, played strong. Uh, it's, uh, they got the deserved win. Divock Origi came in and converted a, a beautiful shot from the left-hand side, uh, and then Mane took, uh, got a penalty late on and Milner tucked it away. So full on, uh, support, uh, from the fans was what changed the game. Uh, Klopp got him up and fired up and, uh, you know, all of a sudden Liverpool were on the front foot and they won uh, two up, deserved three points and uh, job done. Very professional win. Jeff, what are your thoughts? Uh, much the same. And, it's a tale of good and bad in this one. So Sunderland coming in winless in Anfield at a time when they're in a decent run of form, having one, two coming in started with the bad first, of course, Coutinho star going down, stretched off the pitch, both Liverpool and Barcelona's hearts skipped a beat <laughs> and continue to skip a beat because scan not yet in don't know if it's broken or not. So that could project long-term, not great for Liverpool, and uh, potential suitors in the future. Then with Divock Rigi coming in, scoring the lovely goal, as Painter mentioned, wow, uh, for someone that hasn't featured prominently in the side this year, great performance for him. And honorable mention going going to Jurgen Klopp, the atmosphere at Anfield. We've discussed this at you know, nauseum in terms of ticket prices and what that has done to the working class in Premier League uh, stands, parks, and I think that's affected Anfield just like it's affected every other park. Jurgen Klopp stoking the fans on uh, probably the most vociferous I've seen a coach in a long time, getting the fans on his side to add atmosphere to what his side were trying to do in this match. So big ups to Klopp for stoking on the fans and ultimately pushing his uh, side to victory. And then Milner closing it out with the, uh, with the pen, as we mentioned. So it's a lot of good and bad for Liverpool, mostly bad for Moyes and Sunderland. <laughs> Luna. Wow, how do you follow that? <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it, was a, it was a professional game from Liverpool. Sunderland had great defensive shape the entire first half and for most of the second half as well. You know, Moyes set up a, a defensive plan and they performed it brilliantly. I mean, I'm waiting for a game where we can watch and see a team actually attack Liverpool. I feel like for the last however many weeks, I mean, even before the international break, we haven't seen that side come into a game against Liverpool and actually go out and, and want to attack every team that plays them is sitting more defensively. And it just shows what Klopp's done and what these players have done to stoke fear into the sides that they're playing. You know, Coutinho is a massive loss for Liverpool. Again, like Jeff said, we don't know what the results of the scan are. We don't know how long he's going to be out. But I think one thing that's encouraging for Liverpool fans is the fact that Origi came in and scored the first goal from a recognized striker. It's showing <laughs> that uh, it's showing that Liverpool have a depth in the squad that they haven't had in years. You know, this is 14 games unbeaten in all competitions. 
And we've only allowed. Oh, sorry, I said we. Oh, that's it, Luna. And you're not done. I was so close. <laughs> so close. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Wait. Well, you're really not counting quick, like the really quick, four guys. or five that he had before that, but okay. <laughs> no, he said we, as in people in the audience, have not the general, seen the team against Liverpool. The general he was not talking about Liverpool. I, I let that it's one the go. word. <laughs> um, really quick from all of you guys, if you can give me a short answer. We Luna has mentioned it. Liverpool have seen teams just sit back on them. And the old adage is that Liverpool couldn't beat teams who could sit back on them. Brian, how have they figured this out? Really quick. They've got uh players they've got players that can have a cutting edge in the in the final third. Uh for years they just couldn't break teams down. Uh, but Liverpool somehow uh with the addition of Monty, Firmino stepped it up a level. Uh, Lalana, you bring on the likes of Sturridge and and Origi and Coutinho. They've figured out a way to unlock these defenses that keep they, that uh, sit back and let them uh, come on to them. Jeff, it's just as Painter said, adding in. So Jurgen Klopp's in, in his post game presser talked about described of all teams Sunderland as the most defensive team he's ever seen. Man marking down to Nathaniel Klein, the right back. So that tells you like what Liverpool have done to the rest of the Premier League in trying to number one acknowledgement of the attack and two how teams are setting up for them, especially the least of all teams in the Premier League, Sunderland at the bottom with eight points. So it's a big testament to what Klopp has done in his time, almost what, year and a half at this point. Mm. So it's tough to it's tough to stop. It's a new challenge for Liverpool where they're going to see it almost every week at this point. But as Painter mentioned, they've got the attack to deal with it, and they just need to be patient. They need to, as they did in this one, spend most of the first half just unlocking it, getting the spacing, you know, creating the opportunities, creating the uh, the open chances, and they did it. Luna, shows. Luna, do you have something to add to redeem yourself? <laughs> <laughs> I, it's it's all down to the fluidity that. Klopp allows the the attacking team to have, you know, Coutinho said it in an interview the other week where the reporter asked, you know, why, why do you enjoy working under Klopp? Why do you like playing for Liverpool? And it's, and he says, you know, Klopp allows me to, to move about the field as I please. And I, I would say it's the same for all those guys up there, Mane, Firmino, Lalana. They're not playing set positions with up until Klopp. We'd never, we hadn't seen in a long time. And just the way those those guys are interacting with each other, the movement, it's it's impossible for a team to come in and, and man mark for ninety minutes when we have the ball. Oh, what, Brian, Luna! Oh, oh my God! Oh, when Liverpool have Sorry, the guys. ball, <laughs> let's move on to the next game. Let's just let's just stop this torture. Um, Burnley versus Man City. We'll start with you, Luna. Your thoughts on Burnley Man City? At least I won't say we in this one. <laughs> um, you know, this this should have been a straightforward game for City, and Burnley gave them a little bit of nerves. Uh, you know, Burnley came out and scored first, and you know, Burnley Burnley just shows that they're a team that come out and aren't afraid to play the big boys. You know, they're they're not afraid to go and attack, and I think it's it's exciting to watch. You know, are they gonna win? A lot of these big games, they beat Liverpool, but they haven't had that same luck with some of these other big boys. Uh, but as a as a Burnley fan, I would be encouraged by the fact that they are willing to attack City. You know, they do what they do, and they're a team that's going to be hard to beat this season. 
So, you know, Pep, Pep's come in and done a job and has really made a player of Sterling. He's been exciting to watch. And, yeah, I, it'll be an interesting season for both teams, I think. Brian, your thoughts? Burnley did exactly what they did to Liverpool and the other top sides that come uh, that come calling on them. They locked it up in the back, uh, played on the counterattack. If you look at the shots in the game, uh, Man City had 21 shots. Burnley had 10. Man City had five shots on target. Burnley had five shots on target. So they're, when they get their chances, um, A, they're converting them, and B, uh, they're really good at getting it on frame and, and taking advantage of it. So I think the, the job that they're doing up in Burnley right now has been, has been really good. And you knew it was going to be a tough game. Everybody that goes there, uh, it's a tough game uh, for them, regardless of where they sit in the table. So, uh, Man City again, you can you can chalk it up to getting uh, getting out of there with the three points. Uh, Aguero is Aguero; uh, he is going to come alive and 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 poach goals uh, that you know that save them points and earn them points. So, uh, all in all, I thought Man City uh, did what they needed to do. Uh, were dominant for most of the game; they had 67% of the possession. Um, and they uh, poached the, the two goals they needed to uh, get them over the line. So all, all in all, I think it was job done, and Burnley is definitely going to be in a, a side that's going to uh, make other teams drop points uh, this season for sure. Definitely. Jeff, your thoughts? Yeah, second everything, most of the everything that uh, came out of Painter. So <laughs> City obviously missing De Bruyne again. They're a different side without De Bruyne. And Burnley, yes, they took it to them, the, you know, beautiful goal in the first half. And they were unlucky. Vokes, it was the penalty from Otamendi, I thought, on on Vokes, also the announcer. And I think most of the people watching, Burnley supporters for sure. So Burnley could have been up 2-0 in the first half. Could have been a much different game, especially the way they play, you know, sitting back, waiting to counter. So I thought they were unlucky to come away with it you know, not to come away with at least a point from this one, if not the win, but city is city and then Guerrero is Guerrero. So acknowledge that too. Yep. Good points. And that's the end of the weekend roundup. Let's go over points really quick. Jeff with 12, Luna with nine because of those wheeze. Brian, newcomer with 13. Very proud of you, Brian. Let's move on to what I like. (laughs) You're welcome. What I like to think of our more comedic section, but I guess in this case, it's going to be a lot more sentimental. Five word advice. It is five word advice. Steven Gerrard did mention earlier this week, actually, I think it was on Thanksgiving here in the United States, that he was retiring, officially retiring from playing football. So I'm going to be asking you guys for your five word advice for Steven Gerrard about what he's going to be doing now that he's done playing. Brian, your five word advice for Steven Gerrard. Get your coaching badges, Stevie. <laughs> That's a good one. Luna. <laughs> Enjoy it, mate. Well-deserved. Yeah. Jeff? Whatever you do, don't be a guest on Purely Arsenal. <laughs> Luna. Like that one? This is more nostalgic. Thank you for the memories. Oh. No. <laughs> Best midfielder of all time, period, the end. Wow. We, we, there was a debate on the slack between the football peers family. We'll, we'll probably get into that at some point. <laughs> Brian, your Jack, thoughts. Sessions, Jack Sessions is yeah. wrong. <laughs> Brian, your, beautiful your, man, thoughts, but, but your thoughts on Steven wrong, Gerard, Brian. One of the best midfielders I ever saw play the game. Uh, you know, I've obviously, uh, <clears throat> I, I support Liverpool and, uh, he's the reason I support Liverpool today. Uh, when I was growing up and he was uh, coming into the peak of his powers, uh, when he was, you know, in the late '90s, early 2000s, 
Uh, and I started following him in his playing career, which ultimately led me to the to supporting Liverpool. Uh, just some of the things that he's he was able to do, putting the team on his back through the 2005 Champions League run, um, both in the final and then against Olympiacos, uh, doing the same the following season in 2006 uh, when they you know when they beat West Ham in the FA Cup uh, final. Uh, just you know two goals in there, one in stoppage time. Uh, it was just absolutely one of the best uh, best spectacles I've ever seen uh, when he popped off from 40. 40 yards to put that thing, um, you know, into a score, a three, three draw, uh, for before, uh, before the end of the end of time. So I, I just don't have enough superlatives. Um, he also did it right off the field. Uh, he was never caught in any like stupid shit with, you know, drugs or, you know, late nights or any of the nonsense that, uh, you know, is starting to plague Wayne Rooney and his late night activities, uh, <laughs> uh, from, from, from his England, uh, uh, national team tour. So I, again, I just, uh, I think all in all, he's a tremendous leader, tremendous spokesman. Uh, you know, he's, he's Liverpoolian, uh, Liverpoolian, uh, if that's a, even a word. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I can't say enough things. I gush about him all the time. Uh, and, uh, I will continue to gush about him. All right. Love, love you, Stevie. Luna. I mean, Painter nailed it. He, he I, again, he's, he's the reason I started following Liverpool, you know, as over here in the States, it's, it was hard to find a team and find streams to watch. And, you know, as, as a new watcher to, of the premier league, you, you try and nail down a loyalty. And, you know, as you start, as I started doing research and you start learning about the club and you hear about this guy, Steven Gerrard and, and, you know, he's a one man club and just just all the heroics throughout his career with Liverpool it's it's hard not to like him mm-hmm. and i don't know that we'll ever see a player like him again you know all around he he could do it all he could tackle he could shoot he could dribble uh and his passing i mean it's unarguably one of the best passers i've ever seen so you know i'm saying that We'll never get to see him in a red jersey again, but hopefully we'll we'll see him on the sidelines soon. Right, right. He was a very classic player. Jeff, wrap it up for us real quick. Oh, just that Steven Gerrard came into my consciousness later than the two of these folks. So a little bit later to my support of Liverpool. However, he exemplified the Liverpool way, what it meant to be captain and to all of our points, including my own best midfielder of all time, it's really tough to argue that he isn't. And then because you look at things like put an entire side on his back in the run up to the Champions League win in 05, the Olympiacos goal that even opened the door to the heroics in the final versus Milan. Mm. So really tough not to respect him as a player, as a person, as you know, a future manager. And I was very fortunate to be in Anfield, sitting there for his second-to-last home match versus QPR, where his mistake caused them to go to a draw and then the header to win it. So very, very fortunate and bittersweet. Right. Good for you, Stevie. Very nice. Very nicely done, guys. Let's go ahead and move on to our next segment. Go for goal or go for the corner flag. It is go for goal, go for, for the corner flag. We're going to be talking a little bit about Liverpool. 
Uh, there have been some situations that might have changed up this topic a little bit, but we'll start off with Jeff. We're going to be talking about a loan move to a possible permanent move for Daniel Sturridge to Southampton, who's finally trying to come back and get someone off of Liverpool. <laughs> Jeff, what are your thoughts? <laughs> are you buying this? Are you not? Yeah, yeah. The laugh is indicative of no. <laughs> Corner flag. I, I don't know like where that rumor came from or who the person writing it was, what they were smoking at the time when they posted. There's no way he's going on loan for the rest of the season. No way he's transferring in January, despite what the press would love to create in the form of clickable links and page views for their sites and their ad revenue. It just ain't happening. He's too much of a talent. P.S. He picked up a Nick. This is like getting into the injury side of Daniel Sturridge. And towards the last, you know, call it three, four weeks, his attitude's been different. You know, his work rate has been different. I, if anything's going to happen with storage, it'll happen in the summer or later. The end of the story. Luna. Yeah, I just I, – see, I'm mixed here. January is not going to happen. So for that, I'm going for the corner flag. But summer could change my mind, you know, especially if Coutinho is out for a while. Uh, Liverpool is going to be missing Mane in January. We're going to need players off the bench. Damn it, Luna. And, Damn it. We? Uh, <laughs> can we re- – <laughs> Brian. Just cut me off. Yeah, Brian. Going for the corner flag, my man. There's no way Liverpool are going to sell Danny Sturge or loan him out. Uh, Coutinho going down with an injury pretty much guaranteed that. Not to mention that uh, Mane's going to be going to the Af- African Cup of Nations. So Liverpool are going to need attacking options. I can't see it getting done in January. In the summer, if he's still, you know, on the bench for Liverpool, he's going to want first team minutes. Um, he's going to want first team chances. So I can see him, you know, definitely forcing through a move in the summer. But right now, Liverpool needs scoring and attacking options. And, you know, with with the lack thereof, uh, as I mentioned, uh, with the injuries, they're going to keep Sturge. Okay. Really quick, just a yes or no answer from all of you. It's not going to happen, but Daniel Sturge for Van Dyke, Jeff. Just a swap. No. Luna. Yes. Brian. Absolutely not. No. <laughs> Moving on to the next topic. Reports are suggesting that Garrett Southgate will be offered the permanent position for the England manager. Go for goal, go for the corner flag, Luna. I'm going for the corner flag. Nothing against Southgate, but England haven't done anything in 60 years. They stuck with Hodgson way too long. And if they seriously want to challenge for anything then they need someone with experience and experience at that level so i'm going for the corner flag going for the corner flag brian who cares um no no (laughs) i mean i mean england's been irrelevant uh on the world scene for you know the better part of you know two decades uh you know i don't think they were you know really relevant um since 66, if you really want my honest opinion, <laughs> appointing Southgate is just another example of them in the FA totally not getting it. Uh, nothing against Gareth Southgate, but he does not have the CV that you would expect um, one of the top countries uh, in the world of soccer uh, to be able to go after. So I, I, I say go for the corner flag. Another complete laugher by the FA. They they could not get the manager hires any worse than what they've had for their last three. Um, 
you know, between Hodgson, uh, Big Sam, and now Southgate. I mean, seriously, do they do they even want to be relevant anymore? Um, I just think it's actually a joke. So go for the go for the corner flag all the way, Jeff. I'm actually a go for goal on this one, and it's for reasons you might not expect. So obviously, that tenure, that string of terrible coaching hires, speaks for itself. They need stability to at least you know the implication of Painter's point. They need, you know, just a constant and it's the most, let's be honest about the job. It's the most thankless there is in professional sports, national team coach. It's very different than being head of a club where you have to deal with transfers and personnel and wages and all of that. In addition to what happens on the pitch. In this case, you're just the ambassador. You take the coach, take the players, we can get them and organize them maybe a little bit and get them gilded up for world cup. There has to be some coaching skill in the lead up to World Cup, but we're about to talk about the U.S. going through a similar transition. Mm -hmm. It's not like you need the the greatest of coaching hires. So if Southgate is, what is he, 3-0 at this point in the role or maybe 2-1-0, I think you might want to continue with them until you can find someone good. And I don't think you're going to find anyone good while clubs are still playing. Okay. All right. So let's move on to that final subject here and go for goal, go for the corner flag. Brian, do you actually care about this topic? Bruce Arena being appointed U.S. national, uh, USA national team manager. I do care, and I'm going to go for goal on this. Uh, and I'm surprised I'm saying this because the United States, you know, had Jurgen Klinsmann, who I thought was the right man for the job five years ago. Uh, he's proven with these last couple results, um, and up and down performances over the last, uh, two years that, you know, he, he's just not, he's just not getting it done. And when you don't get it done, uh, you, you know, you lose your job and that's as simple as that. What the United States did though, was very smart in the fact that they went out and got a proven uh, proven manager and Bruce Arena, who's had success both with club and country uh, over the years. Um, I call him a safe pair of hands to go out and, you know, shepherd us through the 2018 World Cup. I don't think this is a long-term appointment. I think it's a two-year appointment to get us through the next World Cup, and then they'll reset the manager again and go out and get um, a longer, well, who they see as a longer-term option. But I'm going for goal on this all the way. I think it was a smart move by the United States. Jeff, your thoughts? Yeah, I happen to agree on this one, only because, to Painter's point, it's short-term in the run-up to World Cup. He's had success, and back to the England point, you're not going to find anyone amazing during club season when club season's at the peak. So Arena has had success before, and it's a good temporary hire in the run-up to World Cup, but I would expect the United States to go in a different direction. And yeah, on Klinsman. Just an embarrassing, you know, last few months, if not year of results. And yeah, someone's going to pay the piper at some point for that. And we discussed this ad nauseum on stoppage time last week. In fact, mm-hmm. you you can't. And, and it also speaks to the you can't give the coach multiple roles. You can't give him technical director plus manager on the pitch. It just doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way in clubs very well. And it doesn't work that way on the national team level. So go for goal. Luna, your thoughts? Yeah, I'm going for goal on this one for all the reasons that these guys just mentioned. It's a short-term appointment. Uh, He's had success with the U.S. in previous years. And, you know, I think he'll get us through this next bit of season, next World Cup, and then we'll we'll see how 
well the U.S. are prepared to hire someone with experience and that will take them to the next level. That's a good point. And just like that, we are officially done with Go for Go, Go for the Corner Flag. And I'm going to round up points here to see who is going to sit down. So after Go for Go, Go for the Corner Flag and Five Word Advice, the points stand as Jeff with 20, Luna with 15, and Brian with 19. So Luna, you did Ooh. suffer from the wheeze. Um, Wait a second. I, I want a recount. 19? How, <laughs> we're not setting up a petition for a recount here, Brian. That might happen in the political world, but I'm not recount. interested in that. <laughs> we are going to stick with Just what we got. Just as dumb as it is for Jill Stein, it's also <laughs> in this case. I want, I want to know what Luna has to say for himself. I, I apologize. I'm so used to the <laughs> Liverpool talk on. This is the talk on edition of Stoppage Time. I, what do you expect? <laughs> but That's right. I'm sorry, Jimmy. No, nope, I'm nope, sorry. No apologies Jimmy. needed. We needed to knock someone off, so thanks for volunteering, Luna. <laughs> Not a problem. You are muted, and let us move on to our final segment. It is the final say. First of all, we are wiping all points away. Brian and Jeff, all points are gone here, so we're starting at zeros. I want you guys to know that. First topic that we're going to talk about. Zlatan's option for a second year has been activated, so he can actually play a second year with Man United. Considering how he has fared this season so far, is this the right move for both United and Zlatan? Let's go ahead and start with you, Jeff. I think with... No, can I start with... I think I missed Luna a little bit. Is that weird? Okay. <laughs> so Zlatan, he has his injury history, and I think extending another year, yes, he's had a good first half, decent first half. He fell off for the last few weeks and picked up a goal today, which ended up being the difference. It was the... Long ball, beautiful ball by Pogba. So given today's result, yes, it would probably make sense. But if you're thinking with longer purview than maybe 24 hours and one weekend, probably a bad move for United because he's older. See, 36 at this point. It's just going to get worse. He's, his legs are going to slow down. I mean, his talent is unmatched in the air. That's obvious. But his speed up and down the pitch... I think that's going to be a concern, and those knees have been a problem for him since time zero. So I would say no thank you. Brian, what are your thoughts? Well, being a being a Liverpool supporter, I absolutely think it was a great move. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's, he's definitely scoring goals. Most of his goals, though, are coming um, on headed crosses. Uh, extending him and having 300,000 pounds a, a, a week wrapped up with a striker that can only play every other game uh, is absolutely brilliant uh, for everybody else who isn't Man United. So my my hat's off to United. Thank you for extending that uh, his contract <laughs> and uh, well done indeed. And, you know, long may uh, maybe maybe they can extend it again. <laughs> For a third year, because I think it would be great. He's going to get his goals, though. In all fairness, he will get his goals because he's six foot five, uh, and he's a th he's an aerial threat, and he doesn't have to run. But you know, you got that much money tied up with Pogba, Rooney, and Zlatan, two of which can't run anymore. Uh, you have to be. It has to be happy days for the rest of the the, the top sides in the Premier League. Okay, let's move on to the next topic. Pochettino has admitted that he believes that Spurs are not up to the task for the Champions League just yet. This is why they're not faring so well. We've already talked about this. On the flip side, Leicester just won their group. What does this say, if anything, about Spurs, about Leicester? I just want to know what your thoughts are on that because I found it very interesting this week. Brian. 
yeah, I think Pochettino's making excuses for Spurs complete shit in the bed in, uh, in the Champions <laughs> League this year. I, I don't know what else to say it. I mean, they didn't take the competition seriously. And if you're telling me that they couldn't get out of a group with Monaco, Leverkusen, and CSK, uh, CSKA Moscow, uh, you, you got to be kidding me. Uh, they were clearly the best team in that group, uh, you know, from top to bottom. Harry Kane didn't show up. Uh, the rest of the team didn't show up. They went... They got four points and five games. Uh, absolutely atrocious. And Pochettino's making uh, making excuses. Spurs should have easily got out of the group. Uh, it was obvious that uh, their group was just as poor as Leicester's. Leicester's took it seriously. Uh, and Ranieri did, uh, you know, what Ranieri does is uh, he wins big games, um, as he proved last season. So hats off to Leicester. And Spurs keeps making excuses for themselves. Jeff, your thoughts? Well, this could be one and done for Ranieri. So he is optimized 100% for Champions League, and they are just two points off a relegation fight in the Premier League. And they drew once again versus uh, Miami Middlesbrough, so who is just one place below them, 15th out of you know team at 20. So it shows a limited resources with these clubs, uh, limited resources with Leicester city. They just, they've decided champions league is it. This is one and done. Maybe it's the last time we're all going to be together at the end of this season. If we drop down to the, the championship, we're going to be selling Mares and all the rest of the good players anyway. So maybe that's that strategy, but to painter's point, Pochettino, it, it is a joke. You can't optimize for Premier league and, and, lose <laughs> that's what <laughs> happened this week and you know they're knocked out of this knocked out of the group either it's the ownership and lack of investment in the side i mean they're building a new park there's got to be money there somewhere or it's to brian's point just a coach making excuses about poor performances so either one of the two i, I would be cutting if i was a spurs fan really quick from both of you guys brian where is leicester going to end up in the champions league where how far do they go uh, I think they get uh, one win in the uh, one win in the uh, knockout phase and then get to the quarterfinals. Wow. I, I firmly I firmly believe that they uh, they went top of the group, so they're going to get a lesser side from the other half of the bracket uh, who finished second in their group. And uh, I think they've got enough uh, firepower and Mares and Vardy uh, to to give the next team they play all they can handle. And you know they're going to play counterattacking football, which. If they come up against better sides, uh, those better sides are going to come on to them um, and control and dominate the ball, which is set up again for what Leicester do really well, which is hit you on the counter. So I think they're going to get to the quarterfinals. Jeff. Oh, I think they win Champions League. Period. Oh. Full stop. <laughs> wow. <laughs> totally kidding. Totally kidding. We, we can have fun on stoppage time, can't we? Yeah. Okay. You know what? To I, decide I this, to decide this, I'm going to bring on Luna. So Luna, come back really quick. <laughs> Who had Yay. the better cheek, Brian, for saying that Man United good for them for opt for opting in Zlatan, or Jeff's cheek for saying Leicester is going to win it all? Uh, well, only because I'm a Liverpool fan, Brian Painter. Oh, Jeff, yeah. got knocked out. What's up, Luna? Brian's admitting Brian, that I missed you. Brian's Not first time cool. on stoppage time equals him being a winner. Brian, you've got some time to rant or talk whatever it is you want. So go ahead. What? Winner, winner, Rigged. chicken dinner. <laughs> Rigged, just like the election was, my man. Um, yeah, I want to thank the Academy uh, for giving me this uh, this award. 
Uh, it was a hard-fought uh, win. Uh, I, I came on on late notice, uh, shook off the holiday blues um, of having to go back to work tomorrow, and uh, stepped up and delivered the win, uh, kind of like uh, Jurgen Klopp uh, and, the, and our beloved Liverpool team did at the weekend. Shook off a, a tough 60 minutes, uh, got reinvigorated, and then just drove home for a 2-0 win. Thank you very much for playing. Tip your waiters and waitresses on the way out. <laughs> and you know what? The funny thing is that Brian almost didn't make it on because he couldn't. Uh, we couldn't hear him for some reason, or he couldn't hear us. So, you know, miracles happen. This is Jimmy. I am your host. I am signing off. First of all, I want to say I do get by with the help of my friends. All Liverpool talk on edition this time. Stephen Luna, where can people find you? I am on Twitter at Stephen underscore Luna, and of course the at talk on fp beautiful jeff thanks for coming on it's it was rigged apparently but you came on yeah. where can people you're find damn you? right <laughs> jeff underscore hallett with two l's and two t's on the twitter and of course cafe football at cafe football fp as in football purists that's right and, and make sure you, you listen to the latest cafe football episode a, t- a total liverpool talk on edition what is it about really quick jeff yeah, so it's become the most popular uh, cafe football episode to this point. Steve Nichol, it's his new book, Five League Titles and a Packet of Crisps, which is, goes to his prowess on the pitch as well as what he loved to eat. <laughs> a lot of funny stories, one way and the other. Uh, first part is available now. Download it now. And part two coming up with Steve Nichol himself within the next week or two. So stay tuned. Fantastic. And, of course, our winner today, Brian, thanks for coming on. Where can people find you? Yeah, I'm at Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Brian underscore painter. Um, and that's Brian with a Y and painter like a house painter. Um, you can also find me out on the football um, I'll have a new article coming out here uh, next week. Uh, all, all about uh, Fenway Sports Group and, uh, and the job they've done over the last six years at Liverpool. Fantastic. Well, that's it from us here at uh, Stoppage Time. Thanks for listening. And until next week. <laughs>